welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? I'm awesome, Wendy. Always good to hang out with you. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about today because we're bringing it back to the basics. And we're going to talk about the seven fundamental movement patterns, which in my opinion, if you don't know the different movements that are basic in everyday activities, it's really hard to think about going to the gym and doing exercises that are going to benefit you long term. Right. And and not only that, one of the things I'm sure, Wendy, you get a lot of questions on, you know, when when people know what we do for a living, they always <laughs> like to do Hey, so I'm trying to do this goal. Right. What's the best thing for me to do? Well, what are you doing now? And it's like, uh, they tell me about the workout. And it's like, OK, well, what's going through my mind? OK, what are the things that they're not doing? Because here's the thing, you know, with especially with guys, they want to they want bigger shoulders, bigger pecs and or maybe. Uh, they want bigger legs. So they tend to migrate towards certain movement patterns and they do it a lot, which also means. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you say that, you know, a guy that really wants to work on his legs? Yeah. Let's not go crazy. That's that, that's one guy. That's one guy. Okay. So there right. was one time there was this one guy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm telling you guys, you yeah. really need to work more than just your chest. It's It should be a very well-rounded program. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about the seven fundamental movement patterns, because it is all inclusive. That includes all major muscle groups. And it's something that is going to help you with every activity that you do every single day of your life, every day, every day. You, you want to, and, and a term that, you know, we've used quite a bit in other podcasts is movement library, right? We want to have as vast a library as we can create when it comes to movement, because here's the thing. You know, the, the phrase, uh, you don't use it, you lose it, that happens with movement. So when we deny ourselves different different movement patterns like twisting, which we'll go over, guess what you're not going to be good at? Twisting, rotating. We'll discuss some real-life applications on why you need to pay attention to not just movement, but also the types of movement that you do. But it also helps with, you know, if we, you know, when the, you, you and I both, a lot of people want to, you know, especially as we're coming into the summer months, some people want to lose some fat or they want to want to look better for the, for the beach. Well, what does it take to do that? Well, you need better muscle tone and you want to be, spend some calories when it comes to your workout. Well, what helps you spend more calories than doing new movement? So hopefully our listeners here will actually come away with some things that they can do to help spice up their workouts, not just shore up the deficiencies and how they're moving, but also hopefully give you some ideas on how to move better to spend more calories. And I think it's important when we talk about movement patterns, it's a little bit different than just exercises because there's a difference between movement and, and exercises in all reality. I mean, I guess you could look at it as every movement is an exercise or it should be looked upon right. that way. However, when people go to the gym, they look around, they have no plan, they have no idea what they're gonna do. Right. And it's like, you know what? It's Monday, it's gonna be National Chest Day. I'm gonna go to the chest, the bench, you know, work on chest because that's what everybody else is doing. And when you think about the fundamental movement patterns, number one, what is one of them? It is going to be a push. So Ken, take us through the push. Uh, push, you take something <laughs> from near and then you push it far. That's, there you go, what's next? Uh, All right. Yeah. <laughs> you're basically taking you're, you're taking your but whether you're moving your body or taking uh, an implement like a, a dumbbell or a barbell, and you're just basically distancing yourself. And and this is where so you know in, in talking about pushing, actually, the, the 
it's funny i had this conversation the other day is like there's a difference between pushing and pressing pushing means something more along horizontal plane so if it's at shoulder level i'm pushing it away from me so that's whether that's me pushing dumbbells away from me if i'm laying on a bench or if i'm prone or face down on the ground and i'm pushing my body away from the floor i'm pushing something away from me versus a press which can also be another movement pattern which would be something you're pushing away from you but more from a vertical standpoint so difference in in movement uh, muscle recruitment but also a difference in in direction of movement where, when you're talking about the difference between pushing which is traditionally more horizontal or pressing which is more vertical or overhead but pushing is you're just creating distance between the core of your body and your hands and i think it's important is as we go along and we're talking about these you know and and some people say there's only five core ones and some people will say six but we're looking yeah. at really at, to me seven of them and think about how this relates to what you do every single day in your life and so like when you're getting out of bed some people have to push themselves up or if you're getting off of the floor i mean so so when you're when you're kind of thinking about a program you want to think about too what do you do every single day what is your job? What is it that, you know, that you notice yourself feeling tension and like stress? And so people normally, especially, you know, when we had the pandemic, were having some issues in their neck and their upper back. And it was mainly because they were on the computer a lot. They were looking down a lot. They were reading. And so with the rounded shoulders and the forward head, if you go to the gym and you just do a lot of pressing, you're already going to be like working a lot of muscles that are in a shortened, overactive position that could actually feed into that compensation because that's something that we're seeing a lot more of as personal trainers is those those two main compensations the forward shoulders and the and, and the forward head so if you're going to do a lot of pushing which again there is a time and place and i'm a big fan of pushing all right i think it's important to think about what i would think is number two would be pulling which would be the opposite and often oftentimes we're going to see the middle to lower traps be in an overactive or lengthened or just compromised position and so you want to think about doing some type of pull which would be like a row or you know a cobra so stuff to where you're going to bring your shoulder blades together and then unshrug so i mean think about that if you're always this way and you're rounded here if you sit upright, you bring your chin back and then you try to bring your shoulder blades down or together and then you push them down. If that feels really odd to you, then you need to be doing a lot of pulling because again, if more you can pull, it's gonna better align your shoulder capsule. You're gonna have more freedom of motion in your shoulders. It's not gonna make your neck feel as stressed and it is going to help you, especially if you are that person that sits in the computer throughout the day, multiple times a week. Right. And again, it's, it is about, I think the biggest point, if you're going to compare, well, just the first two pulling and pushing a lot of what we do is biased towards the front. So just to create some parity or balance, if you will, um, have as many pulling situations as you do pushing and, and traditional exercises in the gym, uh, exercise selection in the gym dictates that, you know, we, we are biased towards doing things more in front. And you know why, Wendy, because you can exactly you, you headed me off at the pass you can see that in the mirror right if you're flexing a boat yeah but nobody ever looks at their back right so oh i do, you, yeah, you do. <laughs> i'm looking at your back people i yeah. am looking at yeah. your back <laughs> and that's and that's and that's the big part of it it's like okay are you are you balancing out what you do forward with what you could be or should be doing backward or 
reverse direction. So you have anterior resistance and, and posterior resistance. You know, how are we challenging those upper back muscles? Um, not just the necks and the traps, right? But also those muscles, you know, between the shoulder blades that help us stand upright. If you're not doing it now, definitely it's something your body's going to appreciate and love you for if you do it today, you know, so that two, three decades down the road, you know, you're able to hold yourself upright and you're not going to be so crunched and flex forward, as you mentioned. So pulling just needs a lot more uh, attention. So that could be a bent over row uh, with the dumbbells. Um, you know, I, I love using my sandbag, um, you know, with as far as a standing bent over row, that way I work the whole posterior chain. But as I'm in that flex position at the hip, I can actually pull up, work those postural muscles and specifically those muscles between the shoulder blades. Mm -hmm. Yes. And those of you guys that are just joining, Ken Miller and I on Random Fit, we're talking about the seven fundamental movement patterns. So far, we've talked about some pushing, which most people in this world are very familiar with. Talked about the importance of pulling, which again, to me, if you know that you are a rounded person, meaning you know, you're know you tied up in the, in the front, I'm not saying don't work it, but maybe look at some ratios to, to balance your postural um, look, especially in the upper body. So maybe for one little push thing that you do, do two or three pulls. And hopefully you'll start yep. to see yourself feel and move better, especially in the upper body region. But then I think another one of the seven, so if we think about push and pull, let's talk about next, let's talk about the squat. So squat, you know, you want to think about this, getting in and out of your car, getting up and down, like from a seat. Uh, if you're going to, you know, like getting up and down off your couch, whatever it is that you're doing, where you have to bend your knees and straighten your knees to get up and down from one position to another, Guys, that's a squat. And so we do that every day. Um, and so you get what you train for, as you mentioned earlier. So if we want to be able to make sure that, especially as we age, that we're doing things for activities of daily living, the prime movers of a squat should be your quads, which is the front of your legs and your glutes. So the big house in the back. And you wanna make sure that we work those primary muscles because they're extremely important in everything that we do and it's kind of hard not to talk about a squat without talking about when we're talking about movement, you got to think about gait, which is another movement pattern, and also the lunge. So, I mean, there's three right there that are fundamental movement patterns that all consist of working the quads, the glutes, having really good hip mobility and function. Plus, if you reach down to grab a piece of paper, if I'm left-handed, I'm going to reach forward. I'm going to grab the paper with my left hand and that's a lunge. It's a lunge with a reach. If I go and I'm trying to get up off the ground, I have to go into a squat, then I sit down. And when I get up, most people have to get into a lunge type position in order to stand. And then guess what a lunge is? It's actually walking, but not as exaggerated. All super right. uh, All, and, and you need, again, you need to expand your library. And, um, <laughs> you know, having, having different variations of the same thing. So if you think about a lunge being basically it's just an offset squat right so if we're for squatting the traditional squat as we might as we might look at it is just those two feet about hip to shoulder width apart and those feet are going to be even you know toes and heels are kind of uh parallel with each other but with being hip shoulder width apart and you're just descending those hips and to descend the hips you need to flex the hip you need to flex the knees and you have to flex the ankles. So to get a good squat and, and you know, you and I, Wendy, have talked about this in, in podcasts past to where, 
you know, even though we're looking at the hip and the knee, one of the un, underrepresented joints in the whole squatting motion is the ankles, right? So to have a really good squat for all the things you mentioned, Wendy, uh, getting in and out of the car, we go to the bathroom every day, hopefully, um, <laughs> you know, and you need a squat down there. I remember, um, you know, you and I both use the overhead squat as an assessment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, training one of my clients, having her just do eight, she did eight squats because uh, of this overhead squat assessment, because I saw everything I needed to see within eight squats, right? She calls me the next day. Actually, she texted me the next day. She's like, what did we do yesterday? Because I can't walk up my stairs. I am sore. And she just did eight squats for the assessment. And mm -hmm. which means she was weak. She had, she doesn't do eight squats in her normal day. So I had her do something above and beyond what her usual capacity is for work or what her day demands of her. So having her do these squats, she was sore. She was sore in the hips. She was sore in the quads. She was sore in her quad. All everything from the belly button down. She was saying that she was sore. So I'm sorry to laugh, yeah, but I have yeah. to tell you this story because I had this actually happen to me. Same thing. I had a client that had been sedentary for many years, but she did not have any joint issues, joint pain. She wanted to get back to running and like, yep. okay, today's your day. We're going to do an assessment. And I did the same thing. I did an overhead squat and I only had her do five squats in each direction again, just so I could see what mm -hmm. she was doing. That's usually protocol for those of you guys that don't know a little bit about the NASM assessments as we look at you in three different directions and we just kind of see how you move. And at that point, she, she again texted me and said, I had to call my husband in because I went to the bathroom and I couldn't get off the toilet. Yeah. I am so miserably sore. What am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, girl, you need you know foam roll and do mm -hmm. all the stuff else. And she's like, but I had to call him to get me up. So, yeah. you know, again, it just shows that when we don't use certain muscles, especially these are big muscles, guys. Squatting is extremely important because we use it every single day. And especially as a female, we do have to sit and stand um, more so than our male counterparts. Um, and so, you know, you want to think because we, as we age, again, we start losing stuff. So squatting is really important. Um, yep. Your lunges, you know, because you've been down and people will hear, I hear people say, and Ken, we were going to talk about why this is important with lunges. That's an activity of daily living. And so, unfortunately, I've had clients come to me and say, my doctor said, no more lunges, no more lunges. And, and again, yeah. I can't override a doctor's prescription. So what I did was I dropped something down on the floor and I asked her to pick it up for me. Didn't have yeah. her lunge. I just had her pick something up. However, she's lunging. And so I just said to her, listen, we're not going to do lunges that are going to hurt you. We're going to do lunges that are just going to allow you to be able to pick up that piece of paper. So I'm not going against a doctor. However, we are going to work on some of these muscles to make sure the movement that you need to do in life is going to be something that you're going to be able to do successfully without falling. Um, because if we don't incorporate this in your, in your training, as you mentioned, we're going to end up having problems later on down the road. And so that is how I got out of it. But Ken, if somebody comes to you and says, yeah. when I lunge, I have pain in my knee, mm -hmm. what do you do and what do you say? Well, I'll say, show me, <laughs> you know, show what, what, what do you do? So what, what aggravates you? What, what causes this, you know, 
uh, pain or discomfort. Again, we're 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 there to work with discomfort more than we are pain. If again, if there's a painful situation, then that's where you want to refer out. Uh, show me what you're talking about, right? And I go, is this what you're gonna? Is this what you do all the time, right? And how much weight are you using, or uh, is there something in your hand? Are you what kind of situations are you in when you're in this position? So basically, I want to recreate what it is that's bothering them, and then that'll put context to why they may be in in um, in this discomfort or may, they may be seeking some help you know as far as getting stronger um but i'll say hey you know the the hip and the foot and ankle they're they're multi-dimensional multi-planar joints and if if they aren't moving well then that means other areas have to work that much harder so let's see what we can do to liberate movement and create that range of motion and stability you need to be in that position. So if it's like, yeah, well, <clears throat> I like to garden. Well, what do you got to do when you garden? You got to get on your knees. You got to maybe if you have that little stool you sit on. Okay, what kind of strategies can we incorporate to get you into that squatted position or get you in and out of that position that that you need to do for whether it's recreation or for work? Um, but that example you brought up, Wendy, you just drop something. Hey, pick it up. I've used that a million times. Pick that up. You said no squatting or no lunging. How are you going to pick that up? Hey, if you're going to put on your sock, right, or your shoe, how are you doing it, right? So you you, you got to get there somehow, right? So, yeah, so squatting and lunging, closely related but different. So you brought up getting in and out of a car as an example of a squat. I use it more for an example of a lunge because if I put one foot inside the car and I have one foot still on the ground outside the car, then as I descend in, you know, my – you know, my, my hips into that seat or that chair, what are we doing? We're basically doing a, we're doing a lunge, basically a multi-planar lunge as I get my butt into the car. So, mm -hmm. you know, either you're getting into the car or out of the car, it's, it's your descending or ascending out of a lunge, right? Yeah. So we're, we're or, doing or it every day. On, you know, cause I just say, I, yeah. you know, and to your point, I think it depends. Like as we're younger, we would kind of lunge in and lunge out. As you get older, yeah. sometimes they have to swing both legs yeah. out. Like I'm looking yeah. at my 81 year old dad and he literally has to turn both feet out and yeah. push himself up in order to get out of the car. Yeah. yeah. It's almost time to take the keys away, but we're not there yet. Um, not and there yet. so, you know, just something to think about, but, but, you know, one thing, those of you guys that are just joining Ken Miller and I on random fit, we're talking about the seven or seven fundamental movement patterns. And so far we've talked about pushing and pulling, and then we're kind of, putting this these three together when we're talking about squatting lunging and walking but i think it's important if somebody is having or if you yourself are having some issues with your knees when you're doing any of these one thing that you can do is just glance at a mirror and put yourself sideways and then either lunge or squat and like you said do it your way try to keep it pain-free and see how you look because from a sideways angle your shin and your back should be parallel and if you are parallel in those two areas, then you've got good weight distribution between your ankle, your knee, and your hip. So when you were talking about you need to have good range of motion, those are the primary joints that you need to share the load, or one thing is going to feel more stressed than the other three or the other two joints. And so if you can see that right away, that's one thing. But one one thing also to think about is when you're lunging, if you have pain in your knee, and especially if it's your back knee then oftentimes your torso is too upright and your hips are really tight. And so when you try to actually lunge straight up and down where your torso is in line with your back leg, if you don't load the front leg, which is where you should load it in a lunge, 
if you're loading your back leg instead and your hips are tight, then you're going to have your hips pull up and it's going to cause some irritation and stress to the knee itself. So if you notice this next time, just shift your body weight onto the forward leg and not the back one. Use the back one as kind of a kickstand. Don't lean all the way over, but just slightly, you know, shift your body weight and then stand up. And if that happens and you say, oh, my knee no longer hurts, it just means that your hips are tight and you need to think about how you're lunging and make sure that you're doing it in a way that's going to help strengthen the glute and quad on that forward leg. And you can maximize really getting good muscle you know, activation and functioning to the proper muscles that should be um, the prime movers in those particular exercises. Right. Here's and my rent for the day. The, the, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, a lot, a lot to consider, but that's, again, in, in the context of what we're talking about here on, on Random Fit, we, we do want to make sure that if, if you feel like you need a little help or you need another set of eyes to help watch you move better or, or get some guidance on how to improve your squat or improve your lunge, you know, find an NASM certified personal trainer in the local gym, health club, personal training studio. And they'll, you know, because they're certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, they'll understand better of what it takes to move optimally when it comes to squatting, because that is one of the assessments as Wendy and I discussed. So I think one of the, the next ones we need to talk about is a hinge, a hip hinge. And when it comes to hinging at the hip, this is one of those exercises that you kind of you're relegated to when you can't squat and you can't lunge. And they say, well, I can't do knee stuff because my quad, you know, I can't do quad work because of my knees. So now in this example that I'm giving you right now, it's like it winds up being one of those default exercises. If I can't do this, I'll just go ahead and do some, you know, straight leg deadlifts. I'll do more hinge work than I will do squat work, but it needs to be done in in a, in addition to or a complement to um, squat and lunge work because it it hits the hips in a different way right so when we're talking about you know hinging motions here we're typically talking about you know a nice neutral spine so from hip to shoulder the spine's nice and neutral tall and straight if you will for lack of a better word and we're forcing the hips to flex Right. So a lot of times in a straight leg deadlift or a single leg straight leg deadlift, when we're talking about a balance component, we are talking about the hips are going back. Right. While you're hinging at the hip and the chest or your torso is going to lean forward. So predominantly there's little to no movement in the knee where predominantly you are moving through the hips. And one example of a of a good sequence where you need to hinge throughout your day is like, Wendy, you ever have to reach deep far into the bed of a truck and you're standing at the at the tailgate and you have to reach something that's kind of slid back how do you reach it are you going to squat your way to it or what have you seen me ken i don't hinge in the back of a truck because <laughs> i'm barely past the tailgate so oh, i sorry, fall gotta, into it be like <laughs> <laughs> i just asked for help excuse yeah, me in there yeah. um, i really don't want to have to take the other part like the the top off so yeah let's let's right? bust out the the step stool for wendy <laughs> Sorry. I was a bad example, but, but yes, you would hinge usually in order to do something like that. Yeah. So, and, and where that needs some education, especially in the gym is that we, we don't know how to hinge. We don't know how to, you know, quote unquote, isolate the, the hips for hip extension, which also means being able, if you can flex, if you can extend well, you can flex well. Right. So if I can, extend through the hips well i can i can flex through the hips well uh but also being able to do it while maintaining good posture so a lot of times when we're forced to bend at the hip 
what will we do at our low back? We'll tend to round at the low back. We'll tend to slouch. We'll tend to curve the spine, which can put more stress on the on the discs in between the in, in between the vertebrae. But if we have stronger hips, if we train the hips to hinge, for one, we get the coordination to do so, but also the stability to maintain, you know, good upright spine or good integrity through the low back as we get that tailbone to shift backwards. Then we're going to use not just use the big muscles with with the glutes, but also we're going to maintain stability and do what we can to offset stress through, you know, let's say the hamstring complex as well as the low back or the or the or the spinal um, complex as well. So hinging needs, you know, needs more representation in the gyms because we, you know, when I work out at a gym, I you just don't see as much hinging as you do squatting, and they both hip. They both hit the hip differently. Again, you need diversity and movement, um, especially through the hip complex. Yes. And to your point, I mean, you know, if you can hinge correctly, you're going to take a lot of stress off the lower back, which again, when you look at, you know, all the research that's out there, you're going to see the percentages are 80% or higher of people with low back pain. And a lot of times it's because they don't know how to hinge. So when you do have a lot of that roundness, and you don't have really good ability to hinge, meaning flex and extend your hip and get your glutes to work, your lower back is gonna take the wrath. And so when we talk yeah. about really trying to decrease chances of injury and why these fundamental, basic fundamental, I will say, movement patterns are so important in our life, we're trying to do things to strengthen the right muscles so they fire at the right time and the right plane of motion and not just cause stress and do something just for the sake of getting it done. And so the more that you train correctly in the gym and you really start to embed in your brain good movement patterns, it's only going to transition into those same movements when you're doing things without, you know, cognitively thinking about it. So I think it's very important that when we're talking about all of this stuff that you have intention and that you really think about these movements because you're going to get a lot more out of them. Right. I'm going so, through all kinds of rants today. Listen to are, I know. You, just, you, you need I mean, a separate I podcast for each other. I know. I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> I, th I think you need to meditate a little bit, Wendy. I'm going to um, myself. <laughs> so, the, so the next one, and this is, again, we talked about gait a little bit, but the next one I think we need to talk about is rotation, yeah. right? We rotate more than we realize, but it's one of those things you just never see in a typical exercise environment. A lot of time, I mean, I guess on that note, a lot of times when we see people performing exercises, they're performing it in what we call a sagittal plane. Everything's in front of us, right? We're not really doing anything sideways, right? Or in, in, in this example with rotation, we don't do a, we don't do a whole lot, which means uh, we are subject or prone to injury when we have to rotate. So when we have to turn and we've got something in our hands or we have to turn quickly. And if we haven't moved, you know, rotating left to right or right to left, whatever the situation may be, if you don't train it, right, you're by it's naive movement to the brain. So if the brain isn't used to it, it's like, hey, what are you what are you guys trying to do? You know, I see you're trying to get your shoulder to turn this way and your hips are turn the other way. What's going on? It doesn't know how to sequence them. It doesn't know how to coordinate that motion. So when it comes time to actually having to do that under duress, under load, under under high speeds, you know, that's where the brain goes, OK, well, I'm just going to contract everybody. Everybody's invited to this party, which means you're going to have some unwanted forces around the joints. So 
to help offset that and prepare you for real life or when I have to pick up something that's down by my right foot and, and put it over my left shoulder, I need to train rotation. We're not just talking about doing trunk twists on the floor or, or rotational crunches. We're talking about actually lifting and moving things and pressing things and pulling things from a more, you know, what we'll call a diagonal angle to help you create that rotation. Yes. You know, and, and as you mentioned, you know, if you look at research or if you just want to listen to our podcast, because we'll feed you with these little, you know, tidbits here and there, most injuries occur when you're decelerating, meaning lowering your body towards the ground while rotating. And one of our master instructors literally said this when he was teaching one of the times in his classes that he knew of someone that really just liked to train forward and back. He had offered suggestions. It wasn't his client. But, you know, they came to the gym and they had this knee brace thing going on. They had had surgery done and, and he asked what happened and they were walking out their door. They forgot their keys. So they turned around to go back in to grab the keys and blew out their knee. And so when right. we talk about like, you know, thinking about things for activities of daily living, guys, we do. We forget something. We, we turn around and have to go back and grab it. Or, you know, like if, if you have, a, you know, kids which I do, I have a kid, I have him in his car seat and all of a sudden he drops something and I'm at a stoplight, but I'm in the driver's seat. I may have to reach back to grab something to give it to him. You know, there are things that happen in life in these different directions. And so we wanna move differently, we wanna train differently. And so when we talk about these fundamental movement patterns, you wanna think about all of these as a whole. And to your point, can, you know, twisting or rotating, however you, whatever you wanna call it, that that's going to wrap up our seven. And I think if you look at its entirety or go back and listen to all seven and I'll relist them here in a second, make sure when you go to the gym, you're doing all of them. You know, are you hinging? Hinge is one of them. Are you squatting? Squatting is another one. Are you lunging? Are you walking with your you know feet correctly, pushing off your big toe, getting good range of motion in your hip? That was another one. Are you pushing? Are you pulling? And then the last one would be, what am I missing? Um, it, it, uh, rotation. And rotation. Yeah. The last one we're talking about. And <laughs> so seven, yeah. there's all seven. And so, you know, to me, kind of that's my key takeaway is, is really try every single time you go into the gym to add one of those functional things and one of those basic movement patterns to what you're doing at the gym to switch it up and to make sure that you're training for things that you're going to use in everyday life. Right. And, that, and that's what it comes down to is, okay, what... And when we look at gyms and our workouts, what is, you know, not only do we do that to try to look better, but, you know, we need, you know, more importantly to do what we can to help us move better and feel better. So if you have a, a comprehensive plan, again, doesn't have, you know, no one ever has the perfect plan, but if you look at what you have, then you can evaluate what you don't have. So when you, when you look at your seven, um, as, as Wendy's just lifted, listed them off, you know, think of what's missing, right? And then think, okay, well, how can I implement this into my plan? So that I mean, you don't have to do it every workout. Again, if you're working out three days a week, you know, an hour workout, you know, just if you had it one more time a week, that's more than what you had before. So putting these seven together and trying to manipulate things to where, okay, I, I rotated in my crunch. Perfect. Check that box. Right. But it's 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 a way of kind of just, again, shoring up any kind of deficiency you might have in your movement patterns. And, you know, we'll all be better for it because you'll feel better. You'll probably move more uh, more often as well as move more weight, probably move 
faster with with better integrity again strong muscles with without excess stress on the joints is is the name of the game and that's what's going to keep you playing longer whatever it is that you do and most of these i mean when you're looking at them too and if you if you really think about what's all involved there's multiple muscles involved and so you're not just training one you're usually training things as a complex or training things as a whole so again think about movement versus exercise and just make your exercise more movement related and you're going to end up having a you know a really good outcome so right. so Kenton, this was fun like i'm glad we decided to do this because you know what sometimes we we take for granted the basics and if you don't go back to the basics then you're really missing a key component on things that are just going to excel you in your workouts that's right so look at what you're doing Look at what you're missing, add it in there and, and keep it simple, right? That's that's basically what it comes down to with, with these seven. Um, so hopefully if you've been doing it, keep doing it. If you haven't, you know, evaluate things and, and make sure we, we put in what we're missing. Again, expand your movement library, put it all in there, right? Have a big vocabulary. All right, Wendy, uh, another great, great episode with you. Um, always learning something from you every time we have a chance to record these things. So thank you so much. And for all of you that are listening to us here, both Wendy Batts and I, Ken Miller here on Random Fit, thank you again for listening to this episode. If there's something you want to have us talk about, discuss when it comes to random fitness, let us know. Like, follow, subscribe, and more importantly, comment. That's where we get our information as far as what it is that we can deliver to you and make this show what you want it to be. So until next time, take care and be well.